0: Welcome back to Everything We Need Is Inside. My guest today is Cassie Kuropkin, who is the founder of New York Colon Hydrotherapy. And she's also the woman who really did introduce me to plant medicine while I was on the table getting a colonic and we started talking about toad medicine. I'll save the rest of the story for the episode, but this is all things gut health, diet, plant medicine therapy, colon hydrotherapy why eggs are the number one allergen, and more. Trust me, we talk all things good and not so good. Stay tuned. Miss Cassie, so nice to see you.
1: Yeah, it's great to see your face.
0: I know, I feel like I haven't actually seen you in like two years, but... Too long. I know, but we've spoken and we've done this before. And due to popular demand, we have to do it again because... Um, so much has shifted and I think the conversation has shifted and I'm so glad that you're here. So just a little bit about today's guest, Cassie Kuropkin is an incredible, um, I would say colonic therapist. I think you taught me that term. Um, yeah.
1: There's like colon hydrotherapist, colonic therapist, a lot of different same names.
0: Yeah. So I'm Kathy. Cassie, I would say, I think June, 2020, Right after I came back from Miami Beach to try and reopen Box and Flow, and I had been living in my parents' house for three months, and I was like, "I need a clinic." And I remember I was like negotiating via email to get an appointment, and you like you like put me in, and it was love since. So, um, yes. So I guess today I want to talk about what you do, but beyond that, because we're obviously not what we do, more so like how you got into it, and I think also the reflection of the physicality of the body and then the internal system of the body and how everything overlaps and um, my experience with colonics, the healing journey, your experience with colonics, the healing journey, plant medicine. Um, and I think we should just jump in if that's cool. Sounds great. Sounds great. Okay, so t- talk to me, tell me first. So obviously, what do you do? How long have you been doing it, etc.
1: So I... I'm a colon hydrotherapist and I love that it's called colon therapy or that I'm a colon therapist because it is therapy. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's the physical realm. One of the physical realms of how we hold our shit, but yeah, it's so tied in with all of the emotional stuff. So anyway, colonics are where there's water moving through your intestines, pushing waste out through a tube. There's a therapist in the room massaging your abdomen, really facilitating getting as much out as possible. So the goal is to release as much as possible of physical matter that is very much tied to all of the spiritual and emotional stuff that we hold on to. And most people do notice that they're holding on to their stuff in their gut. Obviously you'll hold tension in your shoulders and your jaw and other places too, but this is like the center of it all. It's also directly where you're putting outside world things into your body so even if you think about it from that perspective if you're like emotionally making choices around food or how it comes out in your relationship to yourself how that's reflected outward in your relationship toward food just as an example or anything else you're putting directly in your body substances alcohol whatever it's going directly into your colon so
0: yeah it's where
1: the outside world meets your inside world yeah um so i've been helping people do this for 15 years which is a ridiculously long time to think about doing this one thing and it's evolved within myself and my relationship to how I help people with it so much because of how my relationship to myself has evolved and also thanks thanks so much to plant medicine and how that's been so deeply integrated into my own journey um
0: I think just even in in that like I came to plant medicine a couple different ways, but it was through my experience meeting you and being on your table and literally in the middle of a colonic and you sharing your experience and me being ready. And I finally like heard the call and it was through you that I got the phone number of the first you know journey I ever did within the next week. And it was like such, like I'll never forget you because of it. I'll never forget that like moment laying on the table and you saying like a bufo. And I was like, what's bufo? And this whole thing, which we can go into, but you know, it was the first time I actually heard it. And I think part of that was because I was in such a vulnerable space with you, like getting a colonic and also clearing out this, you know, this gut learning to trust myself or trusting myself enough to know that I was ready. But also in the space that you created, you were holding both the you know, the procedure, but the, the conversation in such an intimate way that I, I felt heard, I felt seen, I understood, and I felt like a connection to you. And I think that's really what led me down my path. So like, I will forever be grateful for, for that, for you, for the conversation, for the intimacy. And um, thank you.
1: Oh my God. I have so much to thank you for as well. And Uh also too, like, I don't mention Bufo to almost anybody. It's more that I felt that it was so obvious to me that you would really relate to plant medicine and that it would it would be something that you would be you would love to work with. So yeah, yeah it's obviously a lot about you that yeah. was the reason why I even mentioned it in the first place. Um, and of course, I really enjoyed our connection and like I'm really grateful that you came so that now we can maintain it even though we're so far away from each other.
0: Yeah, and and in that. Um, you mentioned it, and then I went through my whole journey, but like always coming back to this space of like getting to know you and then my experience with Clemens and us almost like exchanging guides and like, like recommending each other. We work with different people and kind of being in this like parallel experience of like, isn't it so wild that everybody has their own journey, but you can find ways to interact with people along the way. And I think part of the journey is connecting with like-minded individuals who hold you who help you who you hold and you help and you know to think that that all started on a colonic table is kind of wild
1: (laughs) yeah and that is true too because I think like to your point about it being a vulnerable position to be in to lay on on a colonic table I don't think about it that way because it's been so long since I've thought about it in that way so I'm almost surprised when somebody is nervous. Cause I'm like, oh, you're gonna love this so much. Like just focus on the fact that you came here because you're excited to try this because you know, in your art, this is something good. So, um, but being that state too, like for example if somebody feels tense just because that's how they hold themselves or because it is a new thing. Um, one way that I've seen in such a dramatic, uh, just it's such a, it's such a dramatic thing to witness is is if somebody is holding on tight and I can tell that it's not it's their it's them physically resisting, letting go. Um, I'll generally like I don't cry. It's more just probe just a just a little bit like, oh do you want to tell me about what's going on like in your life with your mother, what's happening? Like that's really challenging right now. Um, because as soon as they do, uh, it releases like epic amounts of matter. It's so over the top. So as soon as some somebody starts releasing like verbal diarrhea, even the mm-hmm. body really starts to let go. And I was explaining to you recently that even over the last 15 years of uh, being on my own health journey, um, and mental, physical health, all the things. Well, actually 15 years ago, that's when I started my like more the physical health journey. Um But now that I've really deepened my emotional and mental health journey, um, my elimination has just shifted so much and improved so much. And it's so clear how connected it is. And um, yes, I can witness that on the table, but then in my own self, it's really showing up a lot more right now.
0: And I think, I mean, it's also, as you were saying about people holding on and re- like releasing, I think part of your work too is like yearn into it in a way. Like you can feel where the body is holding on. It is the gut. You focus in the gut, but also like sense that there's something that someone is not, you know, either facing or admitting or open to discussing openly until you like push. And then also, mm-hmm. I think like what an irony the parallel of like the, control and then the letting go, like Mm. controlling the store in your head and then letting go of it, your body lets go. But also through the massage, through like working with the gut physically with your hands, just being able to push things outside, you know? So you're really, it's not just like, putting water up a person's ass. It's literally like, you're literally physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like helping them clear, helping me clear whatever is blocking. And I, and it's interesting too, like in the way that colonics came to me, I think I had heard about them, but there was stigma about them and then people started talking about them. So it became more mainstream. And I think there still is a lot of fear or shame around this intimacy, this vulnerability, because, you don't see it, but like from the other end, it is a very intimate experience of somebody like putting something in you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the, the waste process that tends to be like a private experience, right? Right, and of course. So, Yeah, and so when I stepped into my first colonic, actually, my first colonic was probably close to when I moved to New York City and it was a horrible experience. Um, I just remembered like nothing really came out of me because I was probably so wound up except like mushrooms. So since then I don't like eat mushrooms unless they're like psilocybin. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <I just really laughs> it's a
1: good choice. So, yeah. good
0: choice. Yeah. And then I didn't actually start eating psilocybin until I started doing real clonics with you and one other therapist. But when I found them in June, 2020 figure that was like um just before it was probably not june it might have been june july august because it wasn't our first um together either way it was when i started letting go and it was when so my gut started releasing because i started breaking myself open in every aspect trying to dig into all these parts of me so i could get to know myself better and i know that like in your experience too you've been doing this work for a while and this heal- healing wellness work within your own life but like how did, like, how did you get into this? Because you've been doing this oh, for 15 yeah. years.
1: Yeah, I really like, I think this is the coolest coolest part, really, because, um, so just to tell the story in a, like, out of order, you introduced me to the first MDMA therapist who I worked with. Um, sorry, it's a bit noisy behind me, um, but it's awesome. So you introduced me to the first MDMA therapist that I worked with. And i'm so grateful for that experience um i had been wanting to do it for some time and wanted a great recommendation and so uh, wow that was really powerful really powerful and it revealed this really to this the answer to your question so that was in two years ago and i've been doing clinics for 15 years so now i can answer this question because of well thanks to you actually so the original answer to this question, like the very surface answer that I had thought was the answer all along, was that I had graduated college with a math degree. Um, I had no idea why I was studying math. I had no idea what I, why I was even in college, like what I was going to do afterward. I started working corporate, which is like really strange knowing me because I just don't relate to that at all. And then pretty soon afterward, I had read a book. It's like a really cool mystical story how i even stumbled across this book and the book was called skinny bitch and so within like a few pages i was like wow i didn't know any of this information related to like what put what you put in your mouth matters so much and so just like page by page my personality i guess was just like okay done i don't do this anymore i don't do this anymore i know all these things now page by page And like, with just within a few pages, I just like everything in my entire life had changed. And so I was totally vegan. I got a juicer. I was like, changed every single thing. And I was so excited about it. It was the best, most upsetting and exciting burst of information ever. And so anyway, I'm working at my corporate job. And then I told every single person who would listen and anybody there was just eating a lot of Dunkin' Donuts, didn't want to hear it. And there was one other girl who recently started working there. So I told her she jumped right on board. We bought a juicer for the office. This was way before anyone was drinking green juice in public. Everyone thought it smelled like a garden and bizarre. And we were juicing in the corporate office. And then, yeah, she bought a book shortly after that. And that one was like, well, now that you're eating all this raw food and drinking green juice and doing all these things you absolutely must go get a clonic. It's mandatory. So it's like, I don't know what it is, but I'm doing it. It's done. So we went in, we got our clonics. And to be honest, like so many people, my colonic experience was totally fine. It was whatever. Like what I love about being the person to give people clonics is like, let me show you how good this can be because I know how mediocre, crappy they are a lot of the time because there are so many factors going into it. So um anyway they can be very life-changing this wasn't a life-changing clinic uh but within like 20 minutes of the clinic that was it I already knew it was done I was like I have to do this like I have to do this and it wasn't because it blew me away I don't know what part of me knew it it was so not clear where inside me knew that this was my destiny so anyway I did put my job and I pursued this and I like trained under the best and made sure that I had, like, the best training imaginable. And, you know, so that was that. And I was like, well, this must be my story for whatever reason. And then I did the MDMA therapy and learned that that was not exactly true. So um, my mom, who is, like, in my story, she was just the villain. Like, I just grew up with a shitty mom. And she was an alcoholic. She's borderline personality. Just, like, very not nice and like ragey and just just awful just really I really didn't I I really hated having my mom be that person um and so anyway i um, in the MDMA therapy session that I was telling the therapist a number of different stories and in each one each like of the more traumatic stories that I could remember about my childhood and having this mother was that She was in the bathroom, like pretty much in every story for, it was a big part of each story because she was, um, and is addicted to laxatives. So I think even today, present day, I think she told me at some point, not too long ago that she takes about 50, five, zero laxatives per day. Um, and then she met somebody recently who takes 100 and she was like, look, I'm not even that bad. So anyway, just like very extreme, but of course it was all I knew. And she spent hours, like maybe five hours in the bathroom every single day. And I think she still does. Five to six, it's just a lot of time. So like, I remember feeling like, oh, this is a relief because I'm getting space from my mom. But at the same time, um, it just, it was just the theme that was coming through. And then one of the MDMA therapists said to me, well, look at that. It looks like you took lemons and you made lemonade and i was like what is she talking about and i'm not even like fully fully clear on this but basically seeing that my mom was doing this wasn't normal and it was like actually really disgusting too like it always smelled terrible i did have to go in the bathroom like to get stuff like so it was like really in my face a lot and it was very embarrassing when friends would come over and stuff like that but um Anyway, somewhere in me was like, I guess I can help people with this thing. Mm -hmm. And then when I ran it by my therapist, uh, after the MDMA therapy, I was like, why why would I make this connection? Like, why would me witnessing my mom spend all this time in the bathroom, have me then decide to spend my life helping people go to the bathroom? And he said that I saw her suffering, and a part of me thought, if I can help her, then that will help me. Like, I will have an easier life if she's not suffering.
0: That is yeah. so profound. And, like, <laughs> I love the lemons out of lemonade. And also, like, it's so incredible how impressionable we, we are as young children. And then also, but how that morphed into, like, fear, shame, anxiety, you know, like, disdain against your mom and then to actually create from
1: that is so beautiful you know wow it's like a child right now thinking about it it's so wild because it's like so not trans it didn't transform my relationship with her but it's like yeah I'm able to really help other people who suffer with a similar I mean hers is the most extreme case I've ever seen but I often think people with that extreme of a problem don't see colonics they're not the people who i generally see because um it's too like you said traumatic and like it's too dark they might not be ready to
0: heal either like you know so if you're addicted to something you can't see through the addiction until you're ready to heal and i find colonics to be a healing process i'm sure they can be abused but i know that um that's not how you work obviously and totally totally Yeah. And either way, like, I know that every time I've had a colonic, the good ones, because there have been, I've had, that's actually my one, my biggest complaint about Austin is there isn't somebody that does colonics here. Yeah. And one colonic I had was traumatic, was like. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately,
1: I, I do hear that a little bit too often, which is why I said that it means a lot to me to be the person to do it. Yeah. Because I'm like so excited to show To show a person how life changing and special it can be, because there are really a lot of alternative options out there. So So when
0: you when you came to this realization, the MDMA therapy or like all of this memory, because it wasn't in the actual MDMA, which I want to be clear on, it was sounds like it was in the integration. So working through what you recalled subconsciously and then putting the pieces together, like. how do you feel about it now has your relationship shifted with your mom do you um so I I've been working on my Yeah.
1: yeah sort of like I didn't recover a lot of memories in my MDMA therapy those were memories that I had so because I was struggling to recover more memories and I had really wanted to I think it's one of those things where it's like I want it so badly and so I'm not like letting go enough for it to show up naturally So anyway, within that frustration, I just went with the memories that I already had just to go deeper inside of them. Um, So even those memories were so specific, it would be like, oh, this was happening in the kitchen. And then she left to go to the bathroom or like she was in the bathroom and this other thing, like it was there. My relationship with my mom, like that's one of the things that I have to say is like, if I ever really want to reflect on how far I've come, I just think about, the fact that I really love her and that I never thought that would be possible. Um, So that's like my biggest accomplishment in my life. I think it's one of my, my like greatest accomplishments is like that I have learned to make so much space in myself to heal and to find love for this woman who I wanted to die, like, I really, I found a diary, I knew, I remembered writing it, but I, rem, I remember very specifically when I was 13, and she was diagnosed with cancer, and I was, like, oh, great, that's, like, maybe she'll die, and that'll be great, and, like, finally, I will not have to see her anymore, Um, and, like, wrote it down, Um, and so, like, now I feel very differently toward her, I just love her a lot, and so, like, it's not due to one MDMA therapy session I've been working on finding love for myself and healing within myself for a couple of years in various types of therapies
0: and so I think that's the one thing that came to me was like the love that you feel for her is a direct reflection of the love you feel for yourself and I think the creation of the space is so much part of this like healing journey because once I don't really believe that we can truly feel love for others, particularly unconditionally, until we really feel that love for ourselves. And I think because we are raised in traumatic environments sometimes and with parents who haven't done this work or who never healed or faced their trauma or even admitted it, everybody has it, then we're, you know, brought up with these holes like almost feels like swiss cheese or like a blanket that's just been matted you know and and it's up to us to fill the holes with our own love so that we don't seek it any longer from the people who aren't capable of giving it to us right Mm -hmm. yeah there's actually i read this book it's called i would love i would love for you to get this book it's called i'm ready called mother hunger okay I heard the author on a podcast and, you know, I never thought I had like mother wounds and um, regardless of my relationship with my mother, because I too have found a love for her and understood and understand that she did the best that she could with what she has. And it doesn't mean it's easy. You know, we still definitely have, you know, rocks in our path, but I found a deeper love for her as a found a deeper love for myself but also have come to this place of really honoring me and learning to reparent myself. And that was through this book, Mother Hunger, was looking at the the three main wounds and you either have one, two, three, or all of the above. And one is like the inability to like nourish yourself properly, unmet needs, take care of yourself, One is um, the inability to like, if you are raised by someone who doesn't actually have this like forward thought or like aspire to anything, then you might have trouble figuring out what you want in your life. And then the third was I think actual physical needs, but, and then it was all of the above. And it really breaks down the why. And I think through reading this and I read it and I put it down and I haven't finished it. And I'm like, cause it's, it's, it's sensitive. Right. And, um, I think it's hard to see the people that we've looked up to then to see for me to then see them as like, Oh, actually they kind of lacked in this area, you know? And, um, and I think that's challenging, but it was also really helpful in reading that for me to then look at all the other relationships in my life, because we are then trauma bonded in romantic relationships, in other friendships, in work relationships to people who resemble or who like embody the unmet needs that we didn't have and this is all stemmed from our relationship to our mother because that's our first relationship which is just like to me I was mind blown and it was profound and um and at the same time was heartbreaking and timely because like I know that at some point I want to be a mom and I want to, nobody's going to be perfect. I, you know, I hope God willing that happens, but like, I want my eyes wide open. And I also want my eyes wide open in the partners I pick, in the business relationships I pick, in the friendships I pick, because like I said, our first relationship, it ends up dictating so much of what we choose going forward.
1: I love how you said that too. First of all, I did hear of that book in a podcast as well. So thank you for reminding me and um, I'll definitely take that recommendation and um, I love how you phrased it coming into relationships with eyes wide open because um, yeah I'm gonna keep that I'm gonna keep that like that exact phrase in mind that's exactly like what I'm trying to do now in a really conscious way and I'm able to see now that as I'm practicing that how much I was not practicing that previously and how many problems that caused me so yeah and the and also aligning with um you know considering the option possibility I'm I think we're around the same age I'm 35 and you know I'm aware of time and the the possibility of of considering strongly considering motherhood. And for me, um, it really wasn't modeled in a way that made me have any desire or interest in approaching that. Um, like to me, motherhood did not resemble something positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's never been something that I wanted for myself. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm trying to enter my life um, from fresh, clear eyes and not from colored from the past, Um, I want to keep all of my options completely open for myself and I definitely do like yeah have the kind of awareness of fears of or just the awareness of wanting to do it with as much intention you know if I do enter that and of course like being as clear as possible about how to stay um, intentional and awake throughout the process
0: it's so interesting too like considering we're the same age right you you've been married for a long time I'm newly single (laughs) and but in that like we're both 35 right so like my mother got married when she was 20 she had me when she was 22 my brother when she was 21 and my other two brothers later but like Consider 15 years ago when you were starting your career, you know, like, what did you know at age 20? How could you possibly bring life into this world mm. in age 20? Like, to me, I,
1: yeah, so true. I definitely think about that my husband and I have talked about that a bit too. just imagine we had kids 10 years ago, we would not have done a good job, it would have really been not yeah we're at the very least I'm grateful to be thinking about this and considering it at this age and not have jumping having had jumped into it when I had very low level of consciousness as a person
0: so then tell me well just I'm going to pause first um so tell me then At what stage, because I remember when we met and you talked about Bufo, which is toad medicine, 5-MEO-DMT, what point in your journey did you find plant medicine? Was it recreational at first? Was it healing? Like, how did it enter your world?
1: Oh, I love the question. And I'm I'm grateful to reflect back on it, actually, because so I spent my 20s, like, very much in the physical, like, in the physical sense of, like, health. And so it was all about like, just like really putting like really pure things into my body. I was really not interested in any substances or alcohol or anything like that. Um, and then it wasn't until um, one of my clients who I actually saw earlier today and I, I, I see her very often still, um, she, was, she was doing and still, is doing a bit of ayahuasca so um you know she's like she's a little tiny bit older than I am and I really admire her and how she lives her life and how intentional she is so I was like that sounds like something I'm interested in I've never tried pretty much anything like maybe smoked weed a few times but never really related to that and really like was not interested in substances at all so it's like okay then this thing I'd, I'd be open to putting into my body so I went and did an ayahuasca ceremony. It was um, it was in, it was a few days in a row it was like maybe two nights or three nights um, in a row and it was very intense um, and yeah, there were like a couple of memorable pieces of that experience and it opened me up because the shamans uh, they were a couple and I really like I listened to them a lot and what they said and they got into ayahuasca from doing mushrooms so Andy my husband and now husband and I went to Amsterdam together where mushrooms are legal and they sell them all over the place so we walked into the store and we bought mushrooms and we were both terrified because both of us were similarly on the same page neither of us were using like any substances or like you know we were scared to try it and we did and it was I would say the first best day of my life, like it was so beautiful. It was so much fun. It was just so loving. Actually rewind to my first Ayahuasca experience. There was this like deep messaging about love and I still think about it to this day. I think about it often because the message was, I remember having a conversation with Ayahuasca and asking Like, what is my purpose? What am I here for? I didn't even know, like, what who was this person asking this question? And the answer was, you're here to spread love. And I was extremely confused, like, that's not possible because I don't know how to love. And and the answer was very clear. It was like, you are here to spread love. And like, that's the answer. And that's the end of this conversation. And so I was like, okay, I guess if you say so, like, and then after that, I did mushrooms a couple of times afterward, I really fell in love with it. And each mushroom trip I felt was like the next best day of my life and the next best day of my life. And and on a really deep level, not because it was just fun. It was beautiful, but I felt a lot of feelings i had never felt before, including love. Mm -hmm. And I realized at that moment, like, I have not felt this before. And I want more of it. And so I started going to therapy. Mushrooms led me to therapy. There was a, mu- I think it was my second mushroom trip, and I was in Colorado, and um, I fell so deeply in love with Colorado. And on the mushroom trip, there was like almost like a ding, like a, something like hit me in the head, and it was like, go get a therapist. And I was like, why? I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Like I'm, there's nothing here to talk about. Like why would I need a therapist? And I was like, okay, relax. I heard you. It's fine. I'm getting a therapist. Mm -hmm. And so the very next day, one of my favorite clients who is like a world-renowned therapist told me about her therapist. And I was like, okay, I'm going to need his number. So I started working with him. And that like started a whole new journey of like, I'm here to find love. Like, and he explained to me on on my very first session, like there's anger and happiness and those are the easiest emotions. And then there are the really difficult emotions. And under all of those, is love so you need to go through the really difficult ones the shame and the sadness and the hurt and the pain and the fear and the everything to get to love but I'm just hanging out over here and happy and angry and those are just very easy and surface level so going learning to go through as he said like imagine the floor is covered in shit like are you willing to go in the shit Mm. because love is under there and I was like that sounds terrible but okay like I guess I'm doing it and so yeah um, it's interesting
0: even I remember when I when we met two years ago I remember you saying this to me because I think that I always led with like this depth of everything everything to me was deep everything to me was feeling and whether it was like pain or anger or sadness like I felt the spectrum of it I just didn't know where it came from and I remember talking to you about that and you're like Oh, I didn't ever think that I feel like that. Like I don't do, you know, you were like acknowledged that you wanted to, but like it wasn't accessible to you. And similarly to me, like I've been through the shit these past two years. We've been on a similar journey these past two years, but like it wasn't until I finally like popped my head out to like see the forest through the trees and be like, holy shit, this is what joy feels like. This is what love feels like. And and not even for... Anything else, but just for both for me and for like this moment, like this tree, like this space, like the expansiveness, just purely experiencing joy in the most simple ways, like how delicious this tastes, you know? And it's like, I think when you come through the shit, if you're willing to go there, right? Then the possibility, I guess, as your therapist said on the other side is just endless, right?
1: Yeah. And he did He did say that, I remember in the, our very first session, he's like, you're fine, everything's fine, and you can keep living like this until you die and you'll be fine. But alternatively, there's a lot more. So if you want to deepen your experience and the richness of life, you can choose that. And so I was like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm interested, and he seems to think it's good, so like, I'll try it out. And yes, so the last couple of years and then yes, to your point, this journey has been very windy. And I understand clearly what they mean when they say um, that healing is not linear because it has been anything but that. And so Um, yes, I've, I've used a lot of plant medicine along the way and I try so much to integrate it. Like even when I was doing Bufo on a very regular basis, I was going weekly for a while. I would have a therapy session the next day, every time to try to integrate as much as possible. I wasn't there for the high. I was there for the like deepening of my life Mm -hmm. and being as much in my life and getting as much out of my life as I know how to. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I have my own personal approach clearly and I'm sure we all do. Yeah.
0: I mean, and, and with that said, like, I think I've always admired your openness to like try things and not have fear. And I think also this is part of conditioning. Like when I, when I was ready, I was ready, but before I was ready, was like so much fear, so much angst, so much anxiety I don't know that I was capable of really feeling the joy because I had had so much suppressed trauma and I was living in so much darkness. So for me, it's always been so much more available to identify to the dark, to the fight, which is why I've always chosen the harder way. Cause the easy way wasn't clear. Like the harder way being like the guy who didn't like me, but I'll change his mind. Meaning okay. starting a business so that we're teaching a class. And even if I didn't really want to do it, like just like, just going after it to show myself how strong I was. So, you know, it's interesting how we like circumvent our own journeys, but then when we, when we know we're ready, we just are like, and I think again, back to this idea of like colonic and trusting our gut, like me finding colonics was such an entryway to me going inside because mm. You experienced too as being like my therapist in that way. Like I was locked up like a cage. And I think so mm-hmm. much of like my younger years were like very much laden with like IBS, Candida, like mm-hmm. so many things are showing up in my gut. And um, you know, I I think I was awkward about it because it was like embarrassing that I like, you know, had to go to the bathroom a million times in the morning or whatever, you know, just mm-hmm. like naturally. And I thought I had a fast metabolism, but like mm-hmm. um there was just four if I was stuck like I would get constipated if I felt anxious in the morning I couldn't go to the bathroom like it was so much in parallel to like my emotions like yeah. my um, center and um as soon as I started doing colonics and uh now enemas, which I really want to talk about
1: yes I love this topic
0: yeah, yeah. so uh, as soon as I started that like I felt over the past two years, in tandem with plant medicine, in tandem with functional medicine, in tandem with integration, because just as you said, it's not about the high. If anything, yeah. that's like the last thing it's about. It's really about mm. taking what you've learned and you know bringing yourself back to wholeness again, right? Like mm-hmm. filling in those holes. Um, but in terms of, because I know I reached out to you now, it's like, "There's no colonic person in Austin. Mm-hmm. What am I doing?" And you brought up enemas and I had heard it before, but I was like Kalana. I was so afraid. I was like, what do you do? So speak, can
1: you speak? Yes, I have such a hard time convincing people to do enemas, it really cracks me up because they're so amazing and wonderful. And like, I owe them so much, like gratitude, truly. I'm like, what, what are you doing if not having this in your back pocket? It's such a gift. Um, and it's so simple, right? Like clonics, animals they've been around for thousands and thousands of years. Apparently other species use it too, essentially like squirting water into their rectums and then go releasing. Like it's just so simple um, and straightforward. And of course, just like anything, I guess, if it's new, it can be intimidating. And so dissimilarly to you, I love how how polar opposite we are in this sense. Just to reflect back on what you just said about feeling like, so emotional and connected to your emotions by witnessing how your body responds immediately. And mine was just so opposite from that, right? Like I didn't feel emotions and I had no awareness to my body at all. And now that emotions are starting to creep in so much more and more frequently, I'm having a lot more awareness to my body and how it's responding to them. So it's, so the whole time that, oh, my favorite part of the story that I completely left out was that you'd think, right? You'd think maybe the reason why I got into clinics was because I was chronically extremely constipated and bloated and gassy, which is absolutely what was happening, but it was far from the reason why I tried it. I just had no connection to it. Like, I didn't think like, oh, I'm not going to the bathroom ever at all. And so that must be a problem and i see that with clients constantly like some people are very aware like oh my god i didn't go in 10 days and i'm like okay relax it's okay it's not good but it's okay but other people are like oh i go once every 3 weeks and that's normal and it's not something i stress about and my doctor said it's fine and i hear that very often too right and by the way constipation is not the reason to get colonics it's one reason but it is not why colonics exist they're for anybody with a colon And just like any type of releasing and any type of therapy is for any type of person. So I just wanted to be clear about that as well. So I didn't get into it because I was constipated. I was severely constipated and extremely gassy. And I made my like very rancid gas just become a joking part of my personality because what else was I going to do with it? And so I certainly wasn't going to address it. I didn't realize that it was a problem. I was upset that I had a lot of acne. That was very, very upsetting. And now I know that they were directly tied. Um... And anyway, so no, I wasn't aware of it, but um, yes, I have a lot more awareness of that now.
0: I mean, that's so interesting though. Like just constipation, like my body doesn't work like clockwork. If I don't go to the restroom every morning, like I feel so bloated. I feel so uncomfortable. I feel like I'm so stuck. So it's interesting when you say, I mean, I guess, but this is stuff that like people don't talk about and it's like the natural process. Like hanging out with my one-year-old niece like she
1: has to poop she just poops like she's not and it's not shameful either so it's like multi-layered but just to address what you just said very simply is like yes you feel very aware that you're constipated and bloated because your norm is the other way but for everyone else who has it the way where they're not going and that's the norm the constipated and bloating feeling is so normal that you don't know anything else So just like any other thing, like if you're like, oh, I'm just chronically anxious, would you know that you're anxious or do you think that's normal?
0: No. Um,
1: Or if you're chronically like getting bronchitis, do you think that's just normal? Or if you're chronically have asthma, do you think that's normal? Like what we think is normal. So now like I really try to help people with this because I have so much more clarity about it. We get used to things. You can get used to anything. You can get used to an abusive relationship. You can get used to a terrible like health anything 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 can become very normal for you and most people are walking around with a lot of very not normal things thinking that they're very very normal and I work with people on that every single day and I'm sure you do too from different perspectives um but okay back to the enema quickly what an incredible tool so it's very simple it's just water coming into your body and then in a colonic the water comes in And at the same time as it's coming in, there's waste coming out through a separate tube. So it's very seamless. You just lay there. And then um, ideally there's a therapist in the room, massaging your abdomen and making sure everything's coming out as much as possible. With an enema, you're filling up with water. There's only one tube. And so you're filling up with water and then you let the water just sit in your belly and you'll feel full. You'll wanna go to the toilet, but it's not a good idea just wait. It's actually better to just let it sit there and marinate because as it's sitting there, Things will start rumbling around moving around hydrating surfacing picking up and that's where the magic is so you know it's not a big deal if you let it in for a couple minutes or 20 minutes or um there are different ideas about like what's ideal i think don't worry about what's ideal just worry about like how much can i sit with this in here and when it's like a true emergency jump on the toilet and try not to psych yourself out and think it's a true emergency before it's a true emergency but yeah sorry
0: and so like how often like this is something I've mm. asked you because yeah. I, I do I find it it's such a relief mm. um and it's so cleansing that like does your colon get sluggish if you do it a couple mm. times a week like- yeah
1: so think about what I was just saying how it works right it's so awesome because what's happening is the water is going in and your intestines are contracting that contraction it's called your peristalsis. The peristalsis is what happens when you're eating fibrous food, how it pushes waste through your intestines. You're actually going to the gym, essentially. Clonics are like doing an awesome workout. You're activating the muscles. You're actually strengthening them. You're hydrating your intestines and you're strengthening the muscles. So you're making it a lot stronger and better and you're clearing a pathway. So you'll have a better opportunity to go to the bathroom without it. Um, So even if you're not going because of other reasons, because your diet or your lifestyle or because you're stressed or because your emotional state or whatever's happening, at least the enema will clear it up and it's strengthening all of the capacity for you to go when everything else is in order. Um, so it will never make you sluggish. You can never become reliant on it. The thing you need to worry about and question a lot are the oral things that people are taking orally, like whether they're laxatives, natural or unnatural, if they are pills or anything that's going through your entire digestive tract is going through a very long pathway. And it's having a lot of negative side effects or some depending on what it is or how you react to it. And they can often and generally become very dependent on them. Back to my mom, who's addicted to laxatives for over 50 years or more, right? Like that's how they work. That's why I think laxatives or any a lot of things in those departments are just like very unethical people selling them just like I don't think the people selling Coca-Cola are ethical or the people who are selling a lot of things that are very addictive that Mm. we just think are like you know whatever just grab like oh I ate a bunch of crap and now I'll grab a laxative it's like it's part of the process of creating how every single CVS has a laxative section it's designed to be addicting it's designed to kind of screw you up and keep you in the cycle of needing it.
0: Yeah. And
1: I feel like you could probably
0: say the same thing about like antidepressants or, you know, like, like this is all, it's like, there's so much business in the world of healthcare, which is why I even commend you even more for what you're doing. And which is why I even love, you know, these holistic remedies, be it plant medicine, assisted therapy, or colonics, or, you know, things that are really for you so that you can come to this clarity yourself so you don't become reliant. You can't become, I don't believe you can, I mean, maybe become reliant on plant medicine. Like I've been very clear in my last, took some mushrooms in my apartment and they're like, stop digging, you are done. And I know Mm -hmm. I told you that we talked about it, but Mm -hmm. it was like, whoa, because it was taking me in such a dark place, which was like, fuck. And it was like, you don't Mm -hmm. need us anymore. You need to stop digging, like stop. Because Mm -hmm. as I said before, I, my, I have an affinity to the darkness. I've always chosen fight because fight has a, always chosen me. Like I didn't know homeostasis. I didn't know joy. I didn't know flow. So I would choose fight, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, go so back to like what you're saying, you know I think there's such a business in healthcare and in insurance and in medication and prescription that wants us to be sick so that we need a way to get well. Right. Mm-hmm. So it keeps us in this, but I love when you were talking about enemas because like, and i totally change my life in the way of, Yay. I feel stuck. It's like, I don't have to be stuck. I don't need a day ruined because I'm constipated or worried about my belly or whatever else. And, um,
1: which is why I tell people to travel with it too, because I really think about like how many trips I would love to travel. Do you know how many trips I've taken where I can tell you exactly how many days I spent in Israel feeling unbelievably bloated or in Germany looking for another pair of pants or fill in the blank over and over. So I'm like, wait it's not just that you're uncomfortable the reason why your day is ruined is because it's an obsessive thing like you can't not feel I don't say you can't it's uncommon to feel like you have this thing this particular department and have it not feel like an obsession where you're also thinking about how uncomfortable you are and how uncomfortable you feel and how uncomfortable you are about how you look and all of this like it's just a lot of time wasted it's an energy suck and um like why are you traveling without an enema like is my question because you could be you know also make sure when people think about like how do I want to approach my birthday or my travel or my life is like do you really want to eat food that are gonna make you feel bad like that's not gonna Enhance your experience, which is the reason why you're you're there trying to enjoy yourself. Yeah. But so it comes together and I really spend a lot of time in the session, talking to people and coaching people on how to not just get the colonic and the enemas, but to really make choices that are empowering that make you feel healthy and use these as a support tool so that yeah you can really be on your own and do things that like are really consistently good for you that feel good more often
0: so I have some like random quick questions one enemas like thoughts about coffee enemas or apple cider vinegar or Mm. like salt like what do you
1: so I don't have a lot of strong opinions about this I think like experiment for yourself do whatever feels right my feeling about it is that most people are intimidated by the process and those things might make it more intimidating. So if you're just like entry point, should I do a coffee enema? Just do it with water, like just get get your foot in the door, get comfortable with the thing itself. Don't make it any more challenging or complicated than you need it to be. Is it gonna be so much better for you to add coffee? I don't think so. It's fine. If it is, that's great, that's wonderful. Just get your foot in the door first. And then you want to experiment with it because you're so comfortable now. And this has become something that you can integrate. Wonderful. But if it's like, um going to make the entry point more challenging then I say, like, don't worry about that stuff. But you, I think like, those are totally amazing. Like we offer coffee and chlorophyll infused Clonics because we can go very deep with them and use them in a way that's beneficial. So I do love, and I've done, you know, all of these things that you're doing with the, with the, um saline or with the um apple cider vinegar which by the way is very intense so like start small um if you do do that and you might find like I really love this or like I'm super happy with the water and play it by whatever works for you yeah it's interesting because
0: I've tried the coffee thing and um I realized like I don't drink regular coffee I can't it it gives me brain fog and it makes me shake and I Mm. realized that then if I put it in my colon like I will have brain fog all day So you
1: can use a different type of coffee too. That's more like alkaline. That's not exactly the same coffee that you would use to drink that would have that effect on you too. So you can, you can definitely like the coffee that we use for the clonics um, is it's actually like a tan color. It's not even, you wouldn't drink it. So yeah, yeah, there are alternatives too.
0: Interesting. Um, I want to go back to what you said earlier in your journey, how you even found this, like reading Skinny Bitch, because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Curious because I know you see people all day long, mm-hmm. all shapes, all ages, all sizes, all sexes, very like, very yeah very true, all the yeah. things. And I have a couple of questions. One regarding Skinny Bitch and you reading this and it changed your perspective. Like mm-hmm. I know you're a vegan, but mm-hmm. like, do you? I mean, tell me about diet and how this, in your view, how it affects your digestion.
1: Sure. Well, I think of it very simply, actually, which is my favorite part because people are often like, oh, there are 450 different diets and approaches and all this stuff. And I'm like, just like, I don't think about it in that way at all. I think about it very simply. We are animals. We are designed to live in nature. We're not doing that. Evolution takes like 400,000 years. So, whatever we're up to in 2022, acting like it's normal, is not normal. And your body knows that. It's not confused about it. That's just not how evolution works at all. So, the closer you can get to if I lived in nature, what would that be like? What would be the kind of things that I would even have access to to put in my body? Certainly not dairy, that's obvious, because you'd need to find like a lactating mother, like move their baby over, try not to get kicked in the face, take the dairy and then like process it a hundred times into cheese. It just wouldn't happen. So um, like things like that, if you're like, um, I mean, I can go into each and every single thing, like for example, with eggs, like why are they the top allergen? Is it because eggs are so awful? I don't necessarily think so. I think it's because just like you and I, we have our period once a month. Chickens are supposed to have their period once a month, but these chickens have their period every single day. They're very, very sick animals. They're producing a very, very sick product. And um, outside of like any of the treatment and any of that stuff, it's just causing people to have a lot of problems. And it's become, you know, one of the top allergens and people get a lot of inflammation, constipation, and whatever. So back to your question, very simply, like if I put it in my mouth, I. I'm like, do I think my body will recognize this as food? How do I define food? And will my body know how to push this out of my asshole? Like very simply, is it food? Will my body know what to do with it? Is it coming out? If it's not coming out, maybe I don't really want it to be in there because it's also going to be sitting in there. It's not going to eventually find its way out magically. Like sure, I can do clonics and enemas, but like ideally I want to put things in that really are, like if your car is going to take you on a journey and you're going to drive for a few hours you can't put random things in the gas tank and expect it to drive but we do that all the time with our bodies we're like oh it's fine it's not a big deal but why is it any different it has like the same exhaust pipe we have to process the thing to get us going and then push the waste product out but it can't do that just like your car can't do that if you put jello and Gatorade in the gas tank, it won't work. And so it'll break down over time. And so will your body. So the longer you can put in real things that are made of fiber, and fibrous foods are plants naturally, are the only foods that are naturally made of fiber. So the more plants you can put in your body, the more your body can really push that through, process it, and eliminate it, and the
0: healthier you'll feel. So, okay, sugar, meat, alcohol, these are like no's.
1: I don't necessarily think about it like, Yes, no. I think your body does. I don't think your body's confused about it. I don't think your body's like, oh, this is a good amount of poison. I think I'll deal with it. No problem. I don't necessarily think that's how it works. But um, I think the best way to do it, and this is like something that I've really tapped into more from the type of work that you and I do with plant medicine, with therapy, type of, you know, breath work just really tapping into your own body and how I guide people on this and how I guide myself on this is feeling into it Mm -hmm. so if you're like okay let's say just as an example you put some coffee in and you notice you're getting a little bit shaky and you notice that you're getting a little bit foggy like put the coffee down right because your body said no or it said like a couple sips were fine but then you crossed a threshold and then it was a no So the same thing with alcohol, right? Maybe you have a little bit and you're like, okay, I seem to be doing okay. But then you cross the threshold and tomorrow morning, you feel cloudy. You don't feel yourself. It's harder to go for that morning run. Like everything is different. And so you got the no. And the same thing is true with food. Every time you, you can maybe get the more of a delayed response or you maybe get a more immediate response. I'm just picking things that are more obvious because they're like even more just amplified with coffee, alcohol, Um, but yeah, eventually when your body is cleaner, you'll get the, you'll get the answers much more quickly and more loud. And the reason why I never got the answers when I was younger, that I was never going to the bathroom, that I had acne, that I had headaches, that I had smelly farts and all these things is because everything I was doing all the time sucked. So it was never going to be obvious in an acute way. Like, oh, it was the cheese because I was doing things all the time. So you have to spend some time cleansing. Yeah. And then the answers will be that much clearer. So you and I have cleared out so much emotional baggage so now when i interact with a person and i'm like i don't like how this feels it's clear because i'm not used to feeling that bad all the time i'm used to feeling pretty good so then i have an interaction i'm like oh i didn't like how this felt because it was different
0: yeah i think i agree with you so much like you know i preach like everything you need is inside our tools our answers literally and i think even you know dietarily or whatever you know, you know you know if something doesn't feel good, like listen, right? If a person doesn't feel good, listen. And I think until we clear up, like you said, all the shit so that we're not bonded to things or addicted to people, places, things, foods, um, habits for like trauma bonded because of something else in our past, we have to clear that shit up first so that we can actually hear our intuition. So that's right. why I think this gut work is so important because that's mm-hmm. our emotional center. That's what mm-hmm. gives us our answers, like our hearts. I think the chakra system is so important in this Andean and shamanism course that you know that I've been training through. In that culture, it's called nowies and they're actually eyes, but they're the same. They're like three here, top of your head, throat, heart, um, belly, root, like, in all of these places like we have emotional centers and Mm -hmm. the gut is such like a it's it's tantamount because it's both where we process our food and process our emotions Mm -hmm. and then we release through our root right so it's like we have to get really grounded in that knowing in our root center in our belly center so that we can literally digest process release And 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 actually just on
1: the, on the scientific level, what i love so much is like why the colon is often referred to as the second brain is because it is where all of your neurotransmitters are similar to your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, So 95% of your serotonin is created in your gut, 80% of your immune system. So it's all of your health and happiness. Like there's the very scientific piece that ties exactly into what you're saying from the Indian approach where they knew that without needing to know that it was, those specific that specific um in your yeah in your mental and physical functioning Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and in in that i think that our ability to tap into that knowing is like we were born with that just like we're talking about a child knows when to eat how much when to stop Mm -hmm. same as they know when to poop and when they put their head on the pillow they surrender into sleep after crying a little bit right and Mm -hmm. Right, but like as adults, we sort of, we take on this armor, we take on this condition, we take on this trauma, we become all of that shit, confused. And until we drop into that knowing and get grounded in our root, our decisions aren't always, aren't going to be as clear. Our ability to act won't be as quick. Like that, um, that knowing gets clouded. And for me, it was clouded for years through severe trauma. And it's just like, it's like I'm being reborn in this state because I can mm-hmm. now like talk about clear eyes, clear yeah. gut, clear heart. And so mm-hmm. there is so much less confusion around just making decisions. Like what I know, I just know when I trust myself now because mm-hmm. I'm clearer than I've ever been. And I think it's been Terrible. such, yeah, it's been such a gift and such a gift in like reconnecting with you to discuss this because you know we've been aligned in these journeys and in a way we started like the depths of them similarly, like together. Yeah. Which has yeah. been yeah, and I so I think back to what just to wrap this up, but I want to just touch really quickly. You are talking about the, the science behind it and the neurotransmitters and the serotonin in our gut as I'm drinking an AluPop, which is like a healthier prebiotic soda. And it has like nine grams of fiber, which leads me to be curious because you were talking about supplements and laxatives and whatever you're putting in your mouth. Tell yeah. me about prebiotic, like probiotic or any high level views. Sure.
1: Well, this is like, you know, for years I've, I've, given this some thought and I've given it I've educated myself um like to a degree on this topic and I'm still like not reaching a conclusion actually my conclusion like in terms of supplements and things from the outside I do think that there are quality products on the market I think they exist I think they're very rare and there's no um there just aren't any regulations in America. So you can put out any product that you want, any supplement that you want without a single regulation. If you and I wanted to start a pre and probiotic company tomorrow, we could do that without, and we would package it in like an adorable package and we would do a great job on Instagram and we'd sell it. And it wouldn't have to have a single benefit for us to be extremely successful and no one would ever need to check on it. Um, So there are just no regulations in other countries and Europe and Africa and other places. Like they, they, they can be, degree of very serious about regulating these things. So trusting that like, Oh, I saw it on Instagram. It's popular. That's not a good way to make a decision. I don't necessarily know that there's a really obviously easy way to make a decision about supplements because of that. Um, but the best way to populate your gut is to eat as diverse diet in the plant kingdom as possible because each plant. So if you're eating like the average American is eating, the same 10 foods over and over again. And that's because we're creatures of habit, but that's actually really um, outside of what we would do in nature. So if you lived in a natural setting, of course you'd have only certain things available only at certain times and you'd eat a much wider variety. So if you were to step into, let's say a Whole Foods right now and go to the the produce department, um, you might pick the same five to 10 things or probably in the produce department, maybe the five same five things over and over again. So I recommend people choose different things each time. So um, if you're gonna reach for this, like the spinach, you always get the spinach, maybe just see what's right above it or right to the right of it or right to the left of it. When was the last time you had fennel or when was the last time you had beets, or when was the last time you had sugar, snap peas. Like there's so much fun stuff there and each different one of those things feeds different microbes in your gut. And that's the best way to populate your microbiome because in order to, like, if you're taking a probiotic with this many different strains, or we need so many more strains that are available in a pill by having the diversity from what's actually going directly in your body. So that's my opinion is like, yes, I'm sure there are wonderful supplements. And if you know which strains you specifically need and how to support that, um, I, I'm I, or working with a professional, that's, that's ideal. Um, but in terms of the lifestyle, that's really going to be the best and most effective way of populating the pre and probiotics in your gut.
0: And, um, I've noticed just personally, cause I think for the majority of my life, I was eating tons of raw vegetables and I was always gassy and bloated. I've always been healthy, you know, like
1: you're my- eating tons of what, sorry, raw vegetables. Raw veg- oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay.
0: So, yeah. I mean, I assume what I've learned is like my body doesn't, doesn't digest that well like it's it's very challenging for me
1: so this is like what i answer let's say people ask me often after a colonic what do you recommend that i eat now so i would give like maybe say like oh i personally usually go for like sweet potatoes or quinoa or whatever um it could be fruit raw vegetables cooked vegetables but you have to know what works for you so if you specifically know that raw vegetables don't feel good then that's not a good option it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll always not work with you maybe that'll change in time maybe that's just a reflection of where you're at right now maybe it'll only work with you on certain times of the year specific ones like this is where you ask yourself and you check in and you're like do you want this does this feel good and that's another direction that i'll give people after a chronic too is like if you're not sure if you should eat it why don't you just ask your intestines would you like this Do you think this will feel good? And then see what they say because they'll respond in a very clear way. Like, sure, absolutely. Why are you asking me that's the dumbest question? No, like whatever, the answer is gonna be very clear. So for you, you're like, okay, belly, do you want raw broccoli? It's going to be like, absolutely not. Why are you asking? But that doesn't mean that'll always be that way. You can just continually check in with yourself and see or try it and then notice that, okay, still it's true or, okay, things have changed. It's been five years. Like, Like nothing is really permanent.
0: Yeah. So like all in all, I think, I mean, to sum up, like uh, this conversation but also just like our knowing I was in Valley, mm. and I'm pretty sure I messaged you like enemas and mushrooms are the fucking key to having I know <laughs> I
1: agree with you completely
0: yeah you literally were like oh, two of the best things because because it two was my things mm-hmm. mushrooms. and it literally showed me it was like these both of these tools provide such a release to you. Mm-hmm. So I think if anything, you and I can really stand for destigmatizing, cleaning your colon, you know, mm-hmm. professionally colonics, personally enemas, mm-hmm. and also cleaning totally. your, your, your psyche, giving a good scrub with proper professionals being overwatched, like not recreational. If you're gonna get into these things, do it with the right people. Like I said, I've had a very traumatic experience with a colonic less than a year ago in Texas. In mm-hmm. But I not think,
1: uncommon. Yeah. yeah.
0: But for you and I, it seems like um in healing, we've we both healed and we're healing from the inside out, which I think is why it's been so effective for both of
1: yeah, us. Yeah, I agree with that. And just to like destigmatize one more thing that I've always just been curious about not that I have an answer to it but you were talking about your niece and how she poops and everyone's like oh she pooped yay or this is very normal like same thing with your dog you're like okay my dog pooped or you have a dog walker you're like can I how much did he poop was it good like it's all normal until it's not until of what age is your niece going to be when it's no longer normal or appropriate to have it be disgust or um, not disgusting or shameful so there was a point in time and it's totally arbitrary it has no reality based on it but we can shift that back we can do it together we can just make it normal talk about it like it's normal and as you said it's just a normal part of being a human animal which we keep forgetting that we are
0: yeah. well you are such a poop pioneer Cassie uh-huh. <laughs>
1: such
0: a, a light in this world and I knew that the moment I met you as you stuck a tube up my butt and made me feel clean. <laughs> <late. laughs> so I really appreciate you, you so yeah, much your energy, I can't even um, tell you so quickly, you can find Cassie mm-hmm. on Instagram at have a regular day, mm-hmm. right? Tell me more. Yeah. So people find you.
1: Um, have a regular day and it's colontherapynyc.com if you live in New York or visiting and you want to come get a clinic and chat in person. And yeah, I think those are the places to find me at the
0: moment. Beautiful. Thank you so much as always.
1: Thank you. We love, you. love you.
0: Learn more as we keep oh. moving.
1: Love learning from you too.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.